Maya read some books. Anna read some more by far. Mike read only one. You're listening to Return to Gilead, a fan podcast for Down Gilead Lane. By two new but avid fans of the show. I'm Michael LaFaver. And I'm Ryan Matlock. And today we're reviewing 1-2, The Unlovables Part 1, by Beth Culp. Episode 2 on our return to Gilead. Well, hey, we made it to part two. How about that? Whoa, the podcast didn't just die or after episode one episode. <laughs> I hope it would Fun fact, there are podcasts out of there, out there that die after like one episode, and it's interesting to find them. Yeah, hopefully we're not those people. But moving on from the previous episode to this one, this episode focuses on Michael Morrison, along with Anna Townsend, who is a new character, and Maya Richter, who was mentioned in the last episode, and focuses on the relationship between the three of them. And I think yes. it does a really great job at setting up a, a more serious controversy or a conflict than we saw in the last episode and a great resolution to it. This is also the only right. two-parter for like the entire first six seasons. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. But it, and about two-parters, you should all know on a previous podcast, I've talked about <laughs> a certain gripe I have with two-parters, and that's that uh, Michael would say, hey, let's review a two-parter, but one episode at a time yes. per episode yeah. of, re- of the review. It's great. And it's like, that's fine. That's how we usually do it. One episode per review. That makes sense. But they were Odyssey podcasts, and I think that Odyssey and how they handle two-parters is significantly different, actually, than this two-parter. I like the fact that we're doing this two-parter in two episodes, actually. I guess so. Because this episode does a great job of doing a two-parter. Like, I can stand behind it as each part being its own episode uh, because both parts tell a semi-complete story with sort of a three-act structure, and they have a semi-resolution to them. But moreover, even though the episode ends without resolving the conflict in part one, it has tonal resolution. Like, the kids are able to have a talk with their parents and get an idea for what to do and what ought to, like, sort of what brings peace to the point of friction in this conflict. Yeah. Whereas, uh, like, contrast this with, like, let's say, member of the family from Adventures in Odyssey. It's one of the most, one of the early episodes. The first two-parter, actually, of that series. Yeah, Yeah, the first two-parter of that series. And that actually makes it quite appropriate to contrast. Yeah, I guess so. Um, But they leave the the first episode with a significant cliffhanger is all that you need to know. And that's great. It's fine. It it leaves the audience in suspense, which is good for listener retention, but it's at the expense of tonal resolution. Mm-hmm. And it means that we might feel kind of good about how the episode ended, but ultimately there's like a sense of like something's not right. I need to listen to the next episode for this story to be complete. Whereas I feel like I could finish this episode and be like, huh, I wonder how they resolve that with uh, Maya. But I would still have a sense that things are going to be okay. Yeah, it's a thing of where you could have multiple episodes that came in between part one and part two and not feel that bad about it because the story's going to go on, but it doesn't have to be the very next episode we hear. How did this whole thing end out? End up. Exactly. And by the end of part two, Maya is still kind of a bully and she will continue to be for a long time, but we get- <laughs> another season or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll see that. I love Maya's character development in this in this series. But yes. with the way the episode goes, and because this is part one, part two, the ending that is foreshadowed by the parents of maybe it's more of a heart change for you rather than for Maya, because John kind of presses Anna 
John asks her, well, what do you feel when she makes fun of you? And Anna says, I don't know. Maybe I want to get back at her, get even with her. And he comes back with the spiritual tie for the first episode, which is you have to love her. Which is very, I was listening to it because I haven't heard this episode in forever, probably like two years at this point. Mm -hmm. And I didn't remember that. And it was kind of eye-opening for me because it challenged me in how I handle people and the conflicts that they go through. Like, Like if someone asks me for advice, because generally I'm kind of thinking about like, okay, so this person wronged you in this way. Okay, so here's who you need to talk to to resolve that. Or like, like sort of, I'm thinking practically like, okay, you need to talk to your teacher about this would maybe be my advice. Something we've talked but, about a lot on Odyssey, conflict resolution. Yeah, and that's all right advice, like me giving that kind of advice. It would be all right from a social, here's how to resolve when someone is doing something they shouldn't basically make sure that that gets to the proper channels to get it dealt with. But it doesn't deal with, here's the heart issue that you might have that doesn't necessarily, like the moment that you change your heart, it won't necessarily stop Maya from being mean. In fact, it doesn't. Yeah, in fact, it doesn't. She's mean for another season or two. Yeah. But it does change your heart. And that's something where it's like, okay, that is actually, that's a unique perspective that is not by any means a worldly worldly perspective. In fact, it's very unique to Christianity, but even within Christianity, we don't necessarily practice that a ton mm-hmm. because it's a very tricky perspective to adopt because it's completely antithetical to the way we naturally think. Right. It's our human nature, obviously. It's, it's our want for justice. Yeah. Like, we want justice. So Maya is the problem, but... Truly, we're all sinners. (laughs) Yeah. Something that's brought up in this episode I want to bring up with you is when Michael is talking to his parents and he says, Maya's been such a jerk. I hate her. And then I think it's either Mary or John says, no, no, you don't hate her. And he says, I kind of do, though. And and they say, well, you can't really expect her to act the way we would. I mean, she's not a Christian. And what's interesting about that is that you can have people who push back and say, well, people usually have a sense of morality and how to treat other people. But deep down, he's right. That That's not something Michael would say directly to Maya. You're not a Christian, so I can't expect you to be nice. And in fact, he doesn't. He basically says the opposite of, I need to be better to you because I'm a Christian, is what the mm. resolution is from that. And I think that's it's it really is really well biblically based because, well, that's scripture. They'll know we're Christians by the way we love, right? And if he's acting the way the world works in trying to get revenge and just giving the same back to Maya, obviously that's not going to reflect uh, well in his witness. And it True. Do, and when he changes that, the episode makes a point of even though this didn't affect Maya, it really affects Matt. And he ends up, Michael ends up being able to witness to Matt. What, Matt Burnett, I think is his name? Yeah. Yeah, and what a, what a great story there is that he's not in part one, but he's in part two. And once we see him, <laughs> Maya's boyfriend, really? She's too, way too young. <laughs> they don't understand what that means. I thought you were going to say she is too. <laughs> she is, what? <laughs> She's two years old. Yeah. <laughs> Maturity-wise, maybe. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But to have him, who we haven't really been paying attention to, realize, oh, yeah, he's been there the whole time. He's seen this. He's seen that Maya's been annoyed by it. He wants to be patient with Maya, but he's having trouble with it. And that was the point, is that maybe God was calling Michael, even though Maya won't instantly be affected by this, 
she's kind of shut down afterward. And Michael and Anna end up taking the fall for a lot of things that Maya does, which I don't think is lying. I think is genuinely wanting to care and not wanting to repay evil or like not take offense at the wrongdoing, which they, they could have said, well, she did it. But for them, it's not as much enabling Maya, which I think is one gripe that some people could have about this episode. It's not, as yeah, much I in- think it, I think it could be very possible for someone to be like, "Oh, well, I'll try this," and then they try it in real life, and they just end up enabling enabling an abuser instead. Yeah, but so, because because the episode's very clear to say these are just little things here and there, uh, and they're sure. only being done because Maya is just testing to see if Michael and Anna are really going to be annoyed at it. When they don't get annoyed, when she realizes she can't stir them up, she basically stops. Right. Yeah, I mean, she's still bugging them for, like, another season or two. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The clip of the day is from the end of episode one. Ryan, would you like to listen to that? Sure. He didn't say just ignore your enemies. He said love them. You see, guys, we can't change other people, and God doesn't expect that. Good, because Maya is hopeless. (laughs) But we are responsible for ourselves. And he does command us to love our enemies, whether or not we're being treated fairly. Exactly. That's the only way people will see God's love is through us. And then maybe they'll want that love. But even if they don't, we will become better people because we become more like Jesus. There are so many great things in that clip. First off, the joke about, yeah, Maya's hopeless is a great example (laughs) of, of good. It's good humor and they don't ignore it because the whole point of the conversation is that she's not hopeless, that they can still reach out to her. And there are three main points, one of which is that we should show love. The second is that it changes us, that our loving others and our not keeping grudges and not wanting to take revenge is really because it affects us and our relationship with God and our witness. But then the the point at the beginning of that clip, that's it's not our responsibility to change other people. That's something that's been really important for me recently because I've had a lot of friends who I don't necessarily agree with their choices or with their beliefs. Uh, a couple of friends from high school come to mind and I think, man, it, I need to be in there telling them, hey, this is something that you shouldn't be doing or you should you should listen to what a better option is, what a better path is. And when they don't change or when they don't show a willingness to change, I often get discouraged. But that's helpful. And that's something I've come to understand is that they're mature. They're adults. They can make their own choices. And as long as I've done what I can and I don't give up on them, just like Michael and Anna aren't going to give up on Maya just because she's not listening, they continue to be loving. That's really encouraging to me to to think that. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's very it's very helpful advice. And I appreciate how it's multifaceted. Like these talks with the parents are not super one dimensional. Like there's lots of points that are brought up, like you just brought up three from a 20, 30, 25, 30 second clip. Yes. Yeah. Three points that are brought up very briefly, one after another, but they all lead into each other. And I doubt that a five-year-old listening to this is going to get all of it. Mm -hmm. But they'll get the general concepts, and as they continue to listen as they grow up, they can pick up on the nuance, the, the more detailed elements of the message, and it's still useful. It's presented in a way that people who are older can appreciate the complexity of the ideas, and people who are younger can pick up on the general ideas for sure and it was it's just it's very it's very 
Sorry. <laughs> Need to find a word. It's very, it's just very good in the way that it approaches it and makes it something that it's very relatable. Yeah. Wherever you are in life is what I meant to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, in the first episode or even the second one, I can bring up three levels of comprehension, I think, for the story. One is you're a younger kid listening to this episode and you see what Michael's going through. You see how he resolves it and think, hey, maybe I can try that in my situation. And based on parental advice, if it works out, then great. The second is the parallel storylines that are in these first two episodes, because you have the first one with Timmy talking about killer uh, Kipper, who's in the backyard. And he, he is. Timmy is so cute. I love him so much. He is. And then. It's so sad in the at the end of the first episode where he's like, I threw rocks at him and I, I hate him. I mutilated the neighbor's dog. <laughs> but no, it's just so sad because I imagine Kipper's like, I, I don't know, like this big basset hound or something who's just hanging around. And then yeah. Timmy's like, get out of here. <laughs> he's not actually a threat, but he's he's so happy about what he did. And the parents are like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what you should have done. But it adds another layer to it that if an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old could pick up on that this parallel storyline here kind of helps the main one because we see how Timmy is reacting to that situation where it's not really his business to discipline Kipper, but it is his business that if he's in his yard, well, just take him and call – who's the lady who owns Kipper? The neighbor. Yeah, I don't know her name. I've got her name. Uh, I can find it too. Mrs. Jennings is the oh, okay. lady who owns Kipper, not Killer. Uh, and that's that's another example of the underlying message that it's not Michael's responsibility to change Maya, but just as it wasn't Timmy's responsibility to discipline Kipper. But right in both situations, we can kind of see adding to the story a little bit and building the world. Like we just learned the name of a new character, Mrs. Jennings, even if we never actually hear her on the show, it shows that the Morrisons aren't in isolation and that Beth Culp is really creative as a writer also because it gives us a little bit to latch on to throughout the episode. We keep hearing about Kipper all throughout and it finally plays into the culmination of this episode. Yeah. Same thing with the next episode where Justin's trying out for the football team. And we actually see a scene of him getting <laughs> of him catching the football and getting the wind knocked out of him. It's really funny. And <gasps> yeah. And it's, it's great because the first episode's moral is about what you how you react to other people and what your responsibility is and the second is about persistence in showing that love that you're showing to other people or in justin's case persistence and determination in trying out for things and not giving up just in case it's just because it's rough yeah it's it's really cool how the first and second episode almost have different lessons mm-hmm. and that's the other thing that makes me like this two-parter more than most two-parters like that that odyssey presents right is that you can learn two separate you well not you can that you just you do, you do have two separate lessons in these two episodes that are related but very drastically different you've got first episode which is about how you should love your neighbor and Especially, like, if your neighbor's being mean to you, it's not your responsibility to change them. It's your responsibility to ensure that your heart is in the right place as you respond. And their negative actions don't justify you having a negative response. The second episode is more about persistence just as a general theme as it relates. And part of that is how it pertains to acting that out in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And we get the multiple examples, one from the previous episode, which we care about. And another from Justin, which, again, builds the world. 
And at the end of the episode... And the family. Yeah, it does, because we get some great conversations between them. And Haley's in this episode again, and she has the whole rabbit trail about how she passed Matt and Maya, and about, I think it was something about Kipper, and about some lady's cats, and those cats are way worse than Kipper. And Michael's like, not about that! What happened with Matt and Maya? And then she describes what's going on there. But as the whole family is talking to the rest of the family about what's going on, we see that everybody really is learning from this situation. It's not just Michael. It's something that everyone's picking up on and something i like about gilead is when a lesson is presented that lesson usually isn't learned by the same character more than once the character learns it and moves on but in each episode there's usually something unique that the character's struggling with that the character hasn't struggled with before i don't want to keep drawing back to odyssey but i feel like you can it's fine like well just in general you know any long-running show I think one difficulty that's presented is presenting difficulties to characters in a, on a continual basis without those characters getting to a point where they ought to know better and thus not need to learn anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, if you're, you know, for, let's say, 100 episodes, you're doing episodes with one character. And each episode, they learn a lesson. Well, eventually, you're going to run out of lessons, right? Yeah, but you eventually run out of lessons, and you're like, okay, let's talk about lying again. You're not going to have that character suddenly be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You're not supposed to lie. And so <laughs> if you do – but if you do that, then characters are going to be like, wow, I, I just don't appreciate this character. I thought that they would be more mature by now. Right. This doesn't feel like how they'd act at all. That's actually a problem I have with Connie from Adventures in Odyssey right now. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's low-key abusive to her sister. And I'm like, you've been a Christian for how long? <laughs> Not that Christians can't have issues, but yeah, even she was though... abusive to Eugene for so long. <laughs> This is Gilead. This isn't Odyssey. As we True. drawing a parallel yeah. to this one, maybe a, a slight yes. flash forward. One thing that Gilead does well is bringing in new major characters. We heard a little bit from Luke Taylor. Uh, he and his sister Rebecca end up being really, uh, really pivotal characters, integral, integral, one of those two, in the fifth season and in the seventh season. And we hear yes. a lot of what they struggle with and new stuff that the Morrisons have already learned that they can learn in a different way. And that's that's why yeah. that's great is that this show isn't wedded to having its characters be the same for the whole time. They're okay to move on and have certain characters die. Yes. Like figuratively. And also yeah. like characters that struggle with something, if they if it's like a, a very, I guess we'll say hard coded struggle, it's something that persists, but not in the exact same way. Like I'll say. Right. Um, Haley's obsession with. Oh, that, that's a good example. That wasn't the one I was going to go with, but sure. Like, Haley's obsession with the way she her looks. clothes, her looks, everything, that's pretty persistent throughout the episodes, and she gets called on it, but throughout the episodes, she doesn't necessarily learn the lesson. The The writers don't make the mistake of having an episode where she goes, I've learned the error of my ways. I will never look at myself ever again, <laughs> and I don't care about my appearance ever again. Like, they don't go there. She consistently has these issues, but she learns sort of micro, there's micro moments where she learns her lesson. And as Mm -hmm. far as like how that pertains to this episode. With Michael, right? Michael, Michael learns, okay, I need to have my heart changed as far as how I treat Maya. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't still have strife and conflict with Maya for the next couple seasons, but it means that it's softened. 
and he mm-hmm. like he might learn new ways that it's difficult to maintain that, but that's different from the issue presented here. Yeah, it sets a basis for how he's going to treat Maya in the future when these things come up because they do. Yeah. And that's that's natural that they do. And I think it's brought out in the first episode with Timmy is that Timmy's coming to John and Michael when they're leaving to go pick up Mary and Timmy's got something that's really inconsequential and that's what little kids talk about. They talk about random stuff and it is just something completely random, but it's something that he would say and it's something realistic. And here with Michael's interaction with Maya, the constant, you're kind of a bully and I don't know how I feel about you. That's also realistic and that's, it's not ideal, but since it's being brought out here, we're getting to see a really real side to these characters and because Beth Culp created the show and has a really holistic view of where she wants the characters to go and how they act in these episodes I think she does a a great job in keeping them all individual but real characters it's great yes well I think that's where we're going to have to cut the podcast for today because we're splitting up the unlovables into two podcasts as well as two episodes but we still recorded them back to back so Ryan, you uh, good to come back next time to finish off this review? Well, of course I am. I, I can't. We, we can't leave it off at a cliffhanger like that. Like, what kind of part, two-parter is this? Odyssey two-parter, right? Oh, That's no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, if you want to leave a voice message for the podcast, which we might actually air on the show, uh, depending, making sure you say all you know good things about us or, or bad things. I, I, I don't know. I'm not too picky. You can go to anchor.fm slash return to Gilead. Uh, do we have like a Facebook page or anything for comments? I don't think we do yet, but if you okay. want to reach out to me personally, I'm on Facebook. Also, if you just want to leave a comment on AIO Audio News, you yeah. can feel free to do that. Uh, but we yeah, will have I'm some kind of better. And there's also the Down Gilead Lane uh, fan, pay- fan group, which is fun to hang out in. Yeah, so feel free to stop by and let us know what you think of the podcast. I appreciate it. In the meantime, I'm Michael. And I'm Ryan. And thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll come back next time as we finish our review of The Unlovables on Return to Gilead.